Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Two in the Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright, and me, David B. Lyons. This week, my buddy Robert Enright celebrates Hello. one year as a full-time independent author. A year? Mm-hmm. I know, it's gone, it's flown by. It's flown wow. by. Wow. Great. Okay. So for our main talking point, um, I'm going to be probing Robert to find out how he transitioned from writing in his spare time around his nine to five office job into no longer requiring the income from that nine to five office job. So transitioning into a full time independent author is today's main talking point. And that comes before we answer a mailbag question about proofreading. And of course, then towards the end of the show, we will have our seven questions and we are being joined from Australia by fantastic Australia. author Cheryl. Right, Australia. Um, Australia. Fantastic, Rob. So so you're celebrating a year this week. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have you been up to this week? Um, I am um, unlike the final stretch nearly of um, Jack Townsend one. So I've probably got, I've probably written about eight chapters this past week. Again, they're not massively long chapters, but um, I think I've probably got about 10 to 15 left to write. Um, And it's getting to the point where like the murders are getting more grisly and they're quite, um, you know, it's quite gross, like what's happening to these people, but then getting near to the reveal. So the the person who's, They've gone through like another couple of suspects, and then the one that had definitely seemed like Jack Towns has now been able to almost disprove that he could have possibly done it. So now they're left with absolutely no clue who did it. But then it's getting right. close to the reveal. So it's been quite exciting. And amongst sure. all that, I've also commissioned the cover for the next one. Oh, it's not even oh. on my, yeah, you know, so it's in my, you know on my uh, roadmap for 2024 but i figured as that's a new series um having a second one maybe up to pre-order will show that there's more to come with it um yeah. oh and i confirmed a blog tour for it so oh um, cool we'll you got one in that yeah um nice she comes highly recommended uh apparently got unbelievable contacts with like loads of bloggers and knows what what book suits what blogger and stuff like this. Yeah. So um, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, that'll be nearer the time in November, but that's pretty much been it this week. Um, how about you? How's your week been? Uh, quite good. Yeah, I, I, I've I've been quite disciplined the last month, month and a half in terms of just, you know, getting some work done and um, mm. not, not, having my days predominantly ruled by my procrastination. Um, but I, I, and I think Rob, I think I spoke to you about this offer. I think it's because I've so many jobs on at the moment. I'm, I'm trying to write my next novella. That's always going to be ongoing. Like you, I'll always have a work in progress. Sometimes I'm in a flow and I'm doing great. And other times I can have a month where I've just written a few thousand words and I'm thinking, oh, I'm slogging through this. Um, 
and I, I'm editing somebody's book at the moment. I'm writing a screenplay professionally now, not just in hope. I'm, I'm writing that professionally, so and I have a deadline on it. Nice. So, I, and I think because I have these sort of different jobs going on, that because I'm limiting the writing of the novella to a specific couple of hours every day, it means I'm actually getting it done. I think mm. I, I, I've said this to you off air, but I've probably said it on air as well. As when I became a full time author, and my whole day in front of me was let's get the novel written. <laughs> I just wasn't getting it done. It's a weird, it was a weird sort of space that I was in there for those um, few years. But now, because I've got so much on, it, it, it it's almost like I've given myself deadlines and I, I, this has to yeah. get done between 9 and 11 a.m. or whatever it is. So I do mm -hmm. get it done. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm being, I'm proud of myself over, the la over this summer because I, I haven't been lazy. <laughs> I'm proud of you too, um, David. Oh, thank you so much, Rob. Cheers. Yeah, but yeah, another another progressive week. Now we said this at the top of the show. Our main talking point, Rob, is going to be celebrating your one year anniversary as a full time author. Now, yeah. I you you won't mind this, I'm sure, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna probe you on um the sort the of probing. The probing. <laughs> the decisions you made leading up to you transitioning yeah. to a full time author and then how your year has been uh, since then. And I think this this would be quite an interesting one for our listeners because there's so many out there who are sort of striving to meet that goal where they don't have to do the nine to five anymore and they can give more time over to their writing. Uh, we've had guests on the show. We ask every guest on the show if they're full time or not, not because we're we're being nosy, but it's because we, we want to understand um, other authors' work-life balance in a sense of how many hours can you give over to your writing? Mm. And do you have a nine to five that you have to try and cram in hours of your writing before you go to bed and stuff like that? So we're just we're just trying to get an understanding of where people are at. And, and most people we talk to strive to be full-time yeah. or at least have the autonomy to write when they want to write. And now it took you some time to get to this stage, but um, towards the end of September in 2022, exactly a year ago now, you made that massive shift. Um, yep. But I'm going to go back. I'm going to, I'm not going to ask you about the shift yet, Rob, but I, um, I'd, I'd like to get some details out of you about how long it took you to get to that place. And then we'll go into you making that transition if you're comfortable with that and, and then how your year has been. So could you yeah. t tell, tell the listeners your story of, of, how you were writing novels and how many you had written whilst you were also, and I, I'm right saying it was a nine to five, it was a proper 40 hour a week job you were working at, right? Yes. With this company. So how how many novels did you write while you were working for this company and how many years was that span? So, so I I started writing, so I'm 36 now, I'm 37 in <laughs> in february so i think i, I started what I, I i was like okay i definitely want to write i definitely want to have a job where i'm writing something probably like in my teens i think i was probably about 16 17 and i wanted to do comic books and then i wanted to write movies right. you know so i think that yeah. it, it you writing was a, a skill while. within you <clears throat> yeah it was and it was a passion within me as well it was like i yeah. i enjoy doing this um mm -hmm. and i think it wasn't until 10 years ago now that i wrote a script for one by one right um 97 page script 
I thought it was really good. I thought it was going to become a Hollywood film. Never did. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm so naive then. Um, but it's good. It's good to like, have those kind of ambitions. Um, yes. And then what happened was, was I was like complaining at the time to my brother. I think I may have shared this anecdote uh, on the pod before. He runs his own independent um, computer game business. Uh, he makes video yeah. games, sells them on Steam. And there was like an advert for some shitty Adam Sandler comedy that looked dreadful and I'm pretty sure it was dreadful and I was like oh yeah. why is this shit getting made but you know my my idea isn't you know ugh. and I, I'm yeah. pretty sure every author's probably done that how's this book number one how's Fifty Shades of Grey number one in the sales charts but my incredible yeah. book isn't getting any sales um, or my incredible idea would be so much better than that that's one I hear a lot but then yeah. my brother just said to me well that person sat down and wrote it so they gave themselves the opportunity <laughs> to do it. And that kind of, that resonated so with me then. And I was, that's when I sort of moved to, well, I don't have any contacts in um, Hollywood, obviously. So I was like, well, how can I get my writing out there? And that's when I found like self-publishing. Um, I had no idea about it. But, uh, so I spent the next couple of years writing one by one. And then it did nothing. But to, to sort of, answer your question so that's, that started like 10 years ago the book you know starting to write books was, was this transitioning a screenplay you had written into a novel was yes one by I, one turned that, a screen, right. I turned a 97 page uh script into a 123 thousand word novel ah right <laughs> so i, I didn't know you done that nice. yeah i fleshed that out but to go back to so I started probably writing that 10 years ago. So I, I self-published that in 2015. So I've been at this, you know, when people, this isn't like an overnight thing. Yeah. I've only been one year full time. And mm -hmm. I started this eight years ago, like dabbling my, you know, dipping my toe into self-publishing. Indie publishing, yeah. And yeah, I've been over countless times. The couple of years I spent dicking around with shitty publishers, right? Yeah. That we know that. And then it wasn't until 2018 that I started. I started looking at it more. Well, what what are the people who are doing this for a living that I want to do for a living? What are they doing that I'm not? And then that list was massive, massive. So that was when I was like, right, well, if I want to do this, I have to start writing some books. <laughs> I have to start doing this. So, Wait, did you realize I, that the people who were in the position you wanted to get to? they had a dozen books out. Is that right? Like, so the Mark Dawson's, yeah. you went, ah, so he had, he can't just do it with one book. He has 15 yeah. books out. That's how I become a success of this. Yeah. And let's and, get the word back in the open again. Yeah, they look great and all this. And yeah, you can learn all that. You can learn all the marketing stuff. I can learn how to use Canva. I can learn how to use Facebook ads. That's fine. Yeah. But there's no point learning all that if I don't have books written. So that's yeah. when I kind of got to this very... Um, regular pattern of writing. You alluded to it there. We've always got a work in progress on the go. I think yeah. that should always be paramount, even if you're not doing this full time. But if you want to write books and you want to kind of get to that position, you should always either be writing one or have the next one ready to go. Like idea wise, you should be noting down ideas. You should be fleshing them out. And I was doing that around my job, but. I went full-time. I made the decision to go full-time in January 2022. 
But then I gave my company basically nine months notice because I wanted to stick around for a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some kind of like nest egg money because you know, I'm, I'm giving yeah. up full-time employment. Nice um, bit of capital for your new full-time business. Exactly. So that was book number, I think I just released book number eight. When was it eight? I, I was going to say nine, I thought it was, right? Eight. I was eight, writing eight nine, number was nine. I was writing number right. nine because I remember when I went full time, remember I had that crazy writing spree where I wrote like half a book in like two weeks because I was yeah. like, oh my God, I'm doing this for a living now. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I had eight books in the series and I just released the eighth one. So I'd say I had probably six books into the series with a seventh being written when I made the decision. Decision. Because yeah. I was also in the... Um, a really good position in the fact that my job beforehand was I was like a data analyst and a computer mm-hmm. systems manager. Oh, yeah, I managed lots of different systems throughout the business. So picking up new software and working out how it works is something I'm good at. But I'm also, yeah, you know, I'm the I'm a number guy, so I can read data and I can go right. Well, this is I've got three years worth of four years worth of data here. I can track this and I can make a pretty good prediction, which is. I've actually surpassed that prediction in my first year of where this Great. is going to go. Um, yeah. And and so that was when I made the decision was, yeah, I was I was about to release the seventh book, knowing I had the eighth ready to go, also knowing yeah. what like my next three or four books in that series were going to be. So Lightly I went popping, into it yeah. with a plan. Yeah, I went into it with a with like a solid plan. So in January 2022, because you're so good at the data and you had that experience with your your day job, and um, you were able to forecast that. But by September, um, if I stick around for my work bonus, by September I will be bringing in enough that I this could be my full time job, my full time income coming just from mm-hmm. my books. Um, so so let's let's just rewind there a bit. We're gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to about 2015, 2016, 2017 when you realised. You'd saw the Mark Dawson's and you thought, oh, this is how we can do it. I keep writing. Okay. But you've also got this 48, 40 hour a week mm-hmm. commitment to um, this company that you're working for, which an awful lot of our listeners will be in that situation now. Yeah. How could, how did you, so so what you've got here is you've got your 40 hours a week um, commitment, mm-hmm. but you're also just realized, oh, the way I become a, a, a full-time author is I write more books. So there's a yeah. conundrum of time, right? Big conundrum of time. How did you go about it? That's what our listeners would love to know. How did you hold down that 40 hour a week job and still produce book after book? So I, I'm not one of those people who goes, we've all got 24 hours in a day, you know, that kind of <laughs> smug bell end. But what I did is I figured out, so I love writing. That's that's one of the good things about it is I don't think people get into this to make it a job. I think they get into it because they love it and then they can turn it into a job. Yeah. Um, so I love writing. So coming up with these ideas, I found it challenging. I was like, okay, how do I make this series? How do I make this? I mean, I've obviously successfully made Sam Pope into a you know a, a good hero that people want to follow. Yeah. That's always a good challenge. But the thing is, is proven. I like writing. I like watching films. Oh, I like playing video games. I like yeah. watching TV series. So I weighed up, okay, if this is what I definitely want to do, then some of the other things I like doing are, are going to have to 
you know, be sacrificed for it. So whilst a lot of my mates were like watching Breaking Bad when it was, you know, really fresh and out there and the wire i came to those so late because i was like I, I i can't sit down and a really good way of um kind of teaching yourself to do that is if you sit down to watch like you you're sitting there with like two books and you're like no i i, I want to write more books but i just don't have the time you know if you're sitting there and you're about to start episode one of season one of like i don't know suits which has like eight series on Netflix. Just yeah. remember you're watching somebody else's idea. That's how I always saw it was I'm yeah. instead of focusing on my idea and giving that the dedication that I'm about to give this other person's idea. And yeah. that was when I started doing that, it meant when I found myself going down like a rabbit hole or I don't know, started watching a film that's two and a half hours long. So I've got two and a half hours this evening to, to myself. I'm going to watch a film. I'd get like half hour in, 45 minutes in and go, actually, I've got two hours that I could be writing. So yeah. it took a while, but then that became a very, I think once the ball started rolling on the Sam Pope books, it's like, oh, actually, I know I need to write more books. And this book's just come out and it's made me this much money and it's getting read through so they're going to be expecting another book i'd be an idiot not to write another book because yeah i'd just be leaving money on the table and getting nowhere nearer to where i wanted to be so once that started rolling the the idea of okay i need to write this this evening this evening and this afternoon at the weekend that kind of became just my way of life really yeah brilliant so yeah it, it, it is that discipline um, that's required but also as you say and a key word on that is a bit of sacrifice so you're exchanging some yeah. time in order to get those books written so huh? at this stage you're you're you know you, you've done a, a bit of the maths yeah you're a numbers guy you're thinking you're three four five books in oh this is adding up six books in now you're starting to think soon i could be doing this full time if i get another three or four books out there it looks like according to my maths the trajectory is telling me i could be full time um, are you I, I, just briefly uh, the, the, our, in, our listeners might be interested in were you just picking off um, £10, £20 ads on Facebook to try and sell your books and at this stage did you, were you just throwing a little bit of capital here and there I I started consistently marketing on Facebook from 2018 and what book number is that there about so I started doing it with uh, one by one because I'd just done oh, Mark you did, Dawson's. Yeah. I'd just done Mark Dawson's Launchpad course. It was one one at the time. It's Launchpad now, and I, I got my cover changed, and I started running ads to it, and I started seeing sales. And then oh, when I started doing Night Shift, when I started doing Sam Pope, I did the Night Shift, which is the first book. I did the same thing again, and the the ads worked. But they weren't making me tons of money, tons and tons and tons of money. Yeah. It was as I started getting more books into the series, and this is why I champion the series. Read through. Is, yeah, you're spending money to get people to buy that first book. That's fine. And Mark Dawson uh, was the one who who taught me the idea of you look at the read through. I mean, that's not a new concept, but his idea of looking at it is 
I think when I watched his thing, he, he had like 12 books maybe at the time or 10 books. I can't remember. But he had like this formula on a spreadsheet, which obviously, you know, is bread and butter to me at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, he, yeah, it's a little spreadsheet porn. But it was, he had this calculator, which was if he sold this, if he spent three pound to get sell a two pound book, that yeah. sale was actually worth like 20 pounds because yes. he calculated the read through. And, you know, we, we've been over that countless times. So it wasn't until then. And then I started seeing my ads and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then like I hit a stumbling block, I think around book five, going into book six. I know that because that's the one where I didn't have a previous cover for. I felt like right. it was plateauing. Like it, it just felt like I've hit a limit now. And no matter yeah. how much money I'm chucking at these ads, it's not returning. You know, I was speaking to you at the time and you were making like 300% on ads. And I'm like, I'm making like 50% yeah. back. Like it's it's nice. It's covering its costs, but it's not. So I turned my ads off. I think if you remember, and I got all my covers rebranded. That's right. Um, and that was actually quite a useful thing for me i wouldn't do it now because i'm reliant on my my books as an income but because i didn't i had the job at the same time i um this was beginning of 2021 and i think i turned them off for four or five months um right. i then got obviously my night shift sales dropped because i'm not advertising to it i'm not sticking it in front of people's face but i was still getting sales and page reads on the other books so that confirmed to me the read through. I was like, okay, this is yeah, this is really this is this is working now. So then obviously I got the new books back, new covers back. They look great. I got better at my branding, and then I threw. That was when I turned the ad on. That's still running today. <laughs> yeah, um, still going on today. I, it must have thousands of uh, social proof. That ad has got something like nearly 3,000 likes and uh, yeah. like 100, probably maybe nearly even like 1,000 comments. Thousand but comments. It, it gets stuff like pretty much every day, every other day, I'll have like a comment on, on there or yeah. um, it goes up and up. And that's where I you know, And then I use that to build up my own Facebook following by inviting all those invited. people to like, and it just kind of snowballed. But that was, that was yeah. when, you know, I've been running ads you, I'd show you, you know, one, maybe one day I'll do a video for the podcast and I will show you the back end of my Facebook ads and you'll see the sheer number that I've gone through over the last yeah. five years or so. And mine is the same. Yeah, absolutely. Just trying to find those golden nuggets where they are, uh, mm. bringing in a profit. I just want to go back there to something you said a couple of minutes ago that I think um, will really resonate with our, our listeners. Um, so you had these books out and you realized at one stage they're just not doing it they're not professional looking enough and you went okay let's press pause I'm going to pay to get these covers redone I'm going to rebrand myself uh, all my covers are going to have a very similar aesthetic so it looks like a Robert Enright book um, when it's put in front of people so th th there'll be there'll be listeners here who have a couple of books out and they haven't worked and they haven't really done things professionally enough. It's actually never too late because covers no. and your branding and your 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 front matter and your back matter and your blurbs all these selling points that you have for your books you can you can work on them you can change you were an, if you were with a publisher you wouldn't have this autonomy or this control but as an independent author you can go fuck this I'm changing this I'm going to make this look as, as shiny as it possibly can uh -huh. so you're, you're living proof that um, if, if 
if you haven't done it right the first time around, it's still not too late. No, it's it's not. And that's one of the things I love about being an independent author is I'm in control of all of that stuff. But yeah. I also knew that the cover was holding back the book because it was doing it with one by one because I changed the cover on that when I did the launchpad course and it was like, ah, oh, you need to make yeah. sure your covers look good. And I, the only reason I had okay covers for my sandpoke books was i didn't have the money to invest in yeah you know, i'd see friend of the show stuart base charging however much for the covers that everyone was saying yeah. go to him and i was like i can't you know my wife would kill me that. Well, yeah not my wife my my wife well, probably actually yeah probably my wife at the time would probably kill me if i turned around to her and said oh i've just spent this much money on a cover for a book that i've sold nothing of yes do you mean that'd be an expensive what are you doing but it was one, so my mate was a graphic designer and he did my covers for Sam Pope and they were okay. Like they were okay. Like he's a good graphic designer. He's not a book cover designer. And then I would yeah, but be even, on. Even great design. It, you could mm. make something that looks absolutely amazing, but that's not a book cover. It wasn't cover a genre. Want. And I could see. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I could see on Amazon and like in the thumbnail and I was like, okay, it looks nice. It's like a backdrop of London and he's got the, boom, the night shift. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't what the genre needed. So in the end, now yeah. I've got um, I've got the Sam Pope model guy, and they they stand out because a lot of people have like the silhouette of a guy, you know, quite small yeah. with the big title. Mine's slightly different. Yeah. He's quite big and prominent, and you can see yeah. him. And the covers are now really striking. But you're right. I was I was sitting there and I was going, if I'm really, I even said to Sarah, I was like, if I'm really gonna do this, I can't do it if I don't change the covers. So, yeah. so I, I saw yeah. I, I did it. I changed them. Yeah, you changed them. Yeah, it, it really isn't about great design, a book cover. It's about tone. It's about knowing the genre and your book not standing out from any other vigilante thriller, but fitting in with them and then and allowing exactly. the reader to, to, to make that choice. Brilliant. Mm. So, so uh, this is a point we really sort of need to get there. At some stage, you realize, you looked at the numbers and you realized, holy shit. I, I, I could be doing this full time. So mm -hmm. the transition must be a scary proposition for so many authors. Now, when I say transition, I'm talking about leaving that full time job and taking the leap. Mm -hmm. For me, it was sort of forced upon me. I took redundancy at a newspaper. Newspapers were, you know, dying a slow death. And uh, I took redundancy at a newspaper and I thought, right, well, I've always wanted to write a book and long ago write a book. Little did I know I was going to earn mm. 550 pounds from the book um, after the first eight months. I'm going, holy shit. Um, but it, it sort of scared me that my next book sort of had to be a hit and it was a hit, but I had learned mm. how to make it um, as prominent as possible. So th the transition was two feet in for me. And it was sort of forced upon me, but for you, it was it was a transition that an awful lot of full time authors will will slip through. The process was very similar. How did you begin that transition into a full time author? Like, was there so, goals or numbers yeah. in mind that you needed to reach to get there? Yeah, um, there was indeed. I had to prove to Soph um, that I could match profit wise. Yeah, the boss. She's my CEO. Um, yes. I had to prove to her profit-wise, after costs, I could um, match my salary. Um, so you wanted I to was, match your salary uh, in profit? Or, or get in and around it, or get in and around it. Right, um, okay. You know, after tax. 
So it was like, yeah. actually, look, I'm doing this. And then at the same time, I got an accountant, which I will always champion. If you're, if you're taking this seriously, have someone in your life, maybe it's a family member who's an accountant, or if not, get an accountant because they yeah. can make things make sense to you. And it got to a point where I was working. You know, I, I had a decent job. Like I was, I mean, before tax, probably in and around like 50 to 55 a year. Like I had a, I had a good paying job. Um, yes. Obviously, you take the tax off that. It was probably coming in at under 40. But still, you know, that's enough to pay the mortgage, pay all this. But I was then, made, you know, my book sales start going up and up and up and up. And he turned to me and he was like, unless you knock your full-time job on the head, you're always going to have to pay 40% tax on your book income because you go past the tax threshold on your income. Right. He's like, and unless you do that, you're never going to really be able to transition out. Um, so for a while Wait. I was jokingly like asking my manager, can I be made redundant? <laughs> um, because I'll get a better bit of pay. And then they, they came up, they, they announced this bonus thing and I was like, okay, well I'll stick around for that. And then I'll go full time. It's in the middle of a tax year. So I have people understand or, or like, you know, if, if you're not a UK listener, this won't mean anything to you, but there's a certain amount you can earn before you have to pay tax on it. And that would happen in the first six months of the financial year. And our financial year runs 1st of April to 31st of March. So if I'm leaving in September, I combine it with my um, book income. I haven't gone too far up yet, if that makes sense. So I'm like, I'm not going to yeah. knacker myself tax-wise this year. Um, and then I went into becoming a limited company and that's fine anyway. But... I had these things in mind as like, okay, well, I need to be able to match that. Um, and I did it twice, um, the salary wise. And then I said to Soph, look, I've got this next book coming out. I've got these audio books coming out. And this is the, uh, the importance of understanding how to, you know, calculate your read through or understand your data. I was like, if I add this book in, this book in, this audio book in, this will conceivably go up to this number. And yeah. it did. As I, and so then if I had another book and another book and another book and an audio book and an audio book and an audio book, it's going to go up to this. And it did. Yeah, so I, I kind of did it. I'd proven I could get there. And then I was like, okay, well, if I can do that whilst working a full-time job, I can very quickly get to those numbers I'm talking to you about if I'm full-time. And so those were the things I had like I had to do before. But yeah, there's nothing scarier than than knowing you're leaving a full time job to to become self employed, especially yeah. when like a week later, um, the country was like, "Oh, we're going into a recession." I was like, "Oh, okay, brilliant, great, perfect." That's fascinating. So not only are you negotiating your income there, um, where you're looking at it. And 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 then you got a great tip from an accountant, but made you it makes sense then in retrospect. Uh, but you're also negotiating time. You're thinking, well, I'm get, I, I'm losing the fifty grand a year I'm getting from my job, but I'm gaining forty hours a week. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's another sort of negotiation in your own mindset that you and Sophie, I'm sure, um, talked out, and and then he's obviously came to this uh, fantastic conclusion, which has worked a treat for you. But I'm just not certain that an awful lot of our listeners will will think. In those regards, yes, I'm yeah. giving up fifty grand. That sounds fucking scary as shit. And I've got a mortgage, and you know, uh, if you were just had to get married, you were planning on having a child at this stage. 
And so all those scares are, are, are coming at you. But let's not forget, you get, yes, you're giving up that 50 grand, but you're buying yourself 40 hours a week and you figured out, yep. well, if I write this quick and I get a book out every three to four months, well, then I'm going to see that 50 grand coming back to me. And then some, because you're building and building. Yeah. And hopefully that, that's a little bit of an insight into, so over the last year, hopefully our listeners have enjoyed this podcast, but there's probably been countless times that you've said it, or they might have said it to themselves, of, he needs to calm down with his writing. Like he writes too much, because I'm always, <laughs> yeah, I've, written, I've released book 9, 10, 11, 12. Since we've been since, doing the podcast. Since, I've, since we've been doing the podcast. Wow. And I've nearly written another one. But the reason behind that is hopefully you've now can see what's going on behind the scenes like in my head and what yes. I what I had yeah, neg- like I said what I'd negotiated before I left my job so you're right I have a mortgage I have a child like I have people who depend on me and I have responsibilities that I have to be able to meet yes. and I can make all the jokes in the world of like I met up with somebody I used to work with and I heard they're talking about a meeting and that's driving me to not want to go back to work but ultimately this is now my job and I treat it like a job. I love my job, but that's why I'm like, right, okay, well, I've got to write another book because I've seen, I've done that planning and that mapping of if I can get this many out, this many audio books, this is what I'm going to get coming back in return. And I'm determined to get there. That's just how my mind's wired. Well, it's fascinating. And you know, uh, Kerry, my wife, is always, it's amazing how often we uh, mention our wives in this podcast because it's because Rob alluded to earlier, we do have two CEOs uh, living with us. But um, what point was I going to make there about, um, oh, I was going to say Kerry said something to me. I forgot it. What, what, what was the last point you were making? Uh, that I, it's like a background into why I've been writing so much. Is because oh, yes. I had already looked ahead at what I could get to if I actually put my arse in gear, and now I had no excuse really to do it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, Kerry's often saying you're you you are who your experience what your experiences have been. So you give him the advice as you do every week on this podcast, which is you know nothing sells your book more than your next book, writing your next yep. book. You, you you're living and breeding that. My advice that people get sick of on this podcast is test, test, test. But that's me. I'm a procrastinator. I'm a I'm a tinkler. You know, I'm ploop, ploop. I'm always you know I I've got about fifteen ads and then I'll be popping seven. Like I'm testing no. everything to see what's working and what's not. So what we're the, the advice that Rob and I give you, it's always from our own experiences, um, and and that's who we are. So Rob always telling us to write more books makes total sense now when you hear his story. Rob, we normally finish the um, the main talking point around this time, but but I really wanted to ask you this question. It's going to be key. Um, what tips would you give our listeners out there who might be, let's say our average listener has three, four, five books out. They're writing these books part-time in between their nine to five. What path could they follow to eventually handing that notice in and relying solely on the income of their books for a living? So I'm getting to understand the numbers is so crucial um Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you almost need like a business plan that's what i had in my head like i i'd noted stuff down you can't start we say this is a business you can't start a business without investment or without like a horrible word like a strategy or a business plan like those types of things it's horrible gumfy corporate speak but it's true sound corporate boring yeah yeah it's true like it, it 
if you don't understand, if you can't look at your ad spend and work out your sales and you can't work out your read through, then you're effectively going in blind every time you're putting an ad down or you don't know what you're looking for. Everything I did was calculated because I learned, obviously through my job, I learned how to read that data. So I say, if you're not comfortable with that stuff, find, you know, there's plenty of stuff online. You can reach out to us on in the Facebook group. I've got spreadsheets that help you guys sort of calculate that stuff. Um, I think I've shared them on our website, but yeah, that would be a key one because I shouldn't have to tell someone who wants to be a writer that they need to write books. I will always say, the reason yeah. I say nothing sells your book more than your uh, next book is hopefully this conversation we've just had here, David, shows you why I say that because mm -hmm. that's just been the backbone of what, I did to get to where I am now. Um, so I should, I'm not going to tell people, oh, you need to make time to write. If you want to take it seriously, you'll you'll sacrifice what you need to do to write. And whether that's, yeah, if you've got a laptop, taking it with you to work and doing it on your lunch break instead of watching YouTube for half an hour, you know, write 500 words. That's 500 words, more words than you had at the beginning of the day. I used yeah. to do that. Um, but I'd say that's the biggest thing is understand that you need, you know, understand the numbers you need to know. So things like your read through, all of that. And once you can get your head around that, I was able to, I said, I was able to then see, okay, if I then add this in, I can get to that. And that was what allowed me to step out of my, you know, I've been employed since I was 17. Yeah. In full time employment since I was 17. So half my life, I've been it's employed. Half your life. Um, and I stepped away from it, but I did that confidently because I didn't just, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I, I, and that's why we're so different is, you know, you jumped in, but you were kind of forced to do it and you smashed a home run with Betsy Blake. Yeah. I built my one up to the point where I knew all that I needed to know to say, you know what, if I take this leap, I'm going to land like both footed comfortably. Yeah. Brilliant. Amazing. Great job. One year in and absolutely smashing it. Uh, Rob, very proud of you. I, I should say, um, if, Thank you. if you want to hear more about Rob and I's journey, I think episodes one and two, Rob, me and you um, talk about how we sort of became full-time authors. They're, they're interesting episodes to get to know your host's uh, journeys. But that's it. He's 52 weeks of full-time independent author, Robert Enright. It's mailbag, mailbag, ooh. So come and send your questions, baby. It's mailbag, mailbag, mailbag ooh. The two oh. indie authors, baby. That was Melanie. so on the spot, David, and you know that for a fact because a little peek behind the curtain, people, this morning when I was a little bit hungover and David said, are you ready to go? And I went, oh shit, I haven't got a mailbag sock. So that was off there. There you go. Well, I've been assuming for the past whatever amount of weeks you've been doing that, that they were all off the spot. No, I, I usually have a think at some point during the week of, oh, what should I do this week? Um, some point during the week you go, fuck, I'm at the start of this shtick on the yeah. podcast and I have to continue with it now. There, there's well, there's it a rod the, from my back. <laughs> it is the um, mailbag. 
Um, mm-hmm. And we've had a question sent in from Zoe Rossi, who's quite active on our Facebook group. Thank you so much, Zoe, for your support of mm-hmm. the Two Whitney Authors podcast. And um, she asked a very, very simple question, Rob. She's asking us, could I get some advice on proofreading? How much do people typically pay for this? And I do. I know this may sound bad, but I could potentially use something like Grammarly instead. Or could I potentially use something like Grammarly instead? No. Um, any advice, recommendations of good proofreaders? Very welcome. Thank you, guys. What will we say to Zoe? So first of all, when she says there, can I use Grammarly instead? No. No, not instead. No, no, no. You can use Grammarly, but not instead. Yeah. And um, so what advice would you give her, Rob? I'd say, yeah, stay away from using that as your only source of proofing. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate people want to do things uh, as financially prudent as possible. Um, yeah. But I can't stress enough, there are things that you cannot skimp out on um, and actually cover, and that's sort of like the editing and proofing of your books. Yeah. Because... Those are the things that your cover will draw people in and the quality of your book will determine whether they stick around. So, um, you know, using Grammarly is like the same as like using the uh, spell checker on Word and then saying that's that's fine, that's good enough. So I would say you need to have a proofreader. Understand that proofreading is very different from editing. Luckily, my, my editor who I work with, she kind of proofs as she goes along but i still send mm-hmm. mine into a proofreader afterwards and yeah. they still come up with loads of stuff gra- yeah. gra- grammar maybe the wrong word maybe a sentence that doesn't read correctly now my everyone who's ever proofed my book has actually just been people i've met along the way like um my current one is just a, a retired english lecturer who happens to be a fan of my books and then he sent me a list of errors he found in one of my books. And then I said to him, do you want to proofread my books from now on? Because what's yes. the worst that's going to happen? He's going to say no. Um, yeah. He said, yeah, that's fine. And actually, I donate to his a charity that he's a trustee of in lieu of payment. Oh, great. So I, nice. I, I do that. But that's, yeah, that's my situation. You can find proofers anywhere. You can do it on um, Fiverr or you could just put it out in any writing group and you'll get tons of recommendations yeah definitely try fiverr zoe and um, you asked uh, how much do people typically pay for proofreading it's a tough one it's it's normally supposed to be for a professional proofreader for about eighty thousand words you'll pay a few hundred pounds two three mm. four hundred pounds just for a, pr- a good proofread from a professional but i don't use a professional proofreader i use a professional developmental editor for every one of my books but i have um, like three or four readers like you, Rob, that you found that guy um, who I sort of found in, you know, Facebook groups and they're ARC readers, but they also proofed me my books. And I give them like, the, it, it, because they're not professionals, so they can't really charge professional fees for them. So they get like £50 mm-hmm. for a proofread. So I found these online. So so seek online, have a look on Fiverr, uh, Zoe, and, and, and the costs. You, you will find people who aren't particularly professional, but the more eyes on your book, even if you're only paying them 40 or 50 pounds to go, um, the cleaner the manuscript will be. Two It's time for the seven questions and we are flying down under today, Robert, to meet the incredible Cheryl Wright. Cheryl, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us, we've just been going through your uh, back catalogue. We, we didn't even have the time to count. How many books have you published at this stage? 
I don't know. I've lost count. You've lost I think count. It's, I think it's about 90, but I'm not going to wow, stand there counting wow. how many books. But I have to say they're not novel length. I have <laughs> written novel length, but yeah. I now write novella about not- around 28, 30,000 words. Interesting. Because that's what my audience like. Brilliant. And you're producing one of them every couple of months? Every month. Every month, amazing. Wow. That's amazing, yeah. great. So, Cheryl, you write this. Sometimes I get two in, but mostly it's one month. Oh, you can get two in. That's amazing. So, it's mostly this uh, romantic genre that you're writing, but you write yes. particularly romantic for the Christmas historical. Romantic historical, and you write predominantly for the Christmas market too. I do write a lot of Christmas books. I sell a lot of Christmas books. I don't know what it is. There's obviously something about what I do that people like. I, wow. I don't know. People love I Christmas. Just write what I normally write. <laughs> <laughs> I have started doing a lot of romantic suspense as well, historical romantic suspense, because that's what I started off with. Yeah. I've been with three different publishers, and that's what I was writing was mm. contemporary romantic suspense. But now I write historical romantic suspense. Amazing. And. Um- before we jump into the like seven questions properly, looking through your back catalogue, like David said, there's, there's so many books. You, you're in like a series. It's the um, the Spinster Mail Order Bride series. Yep. Um, but then as I was going through it, it, it was almost like an anthology with like different authors doing different books. And then you've got a few books in there as well and stuff. And I just yeah, thought that was a really interesting, a really interesting concept. Okay. I do a lot of those. That particular one was the first one I'd ever been in. I was invited to go in. So the way it works, they they call them maps, multi-author projects. Mm-hmm. So you invite authors in or you can just do, there's a page we have for romance maps and people can just join in. I've done about 10 of them now. I've got one coming up in October. Uh, we've already got lots of pre-orders for them. Great. We do a lot of promotion for them. Each author does their own book. So it's not it, it's kind of like an anthology, but everybody uploads their book individually to KDP. Uh, right. Everybody in my maps anyway, everybody is given a premise. So I will say to them, for instance, the map that's coming up next month, which is the 6th of October. So for that one, I said, well, I've called it Second Chance Groom. So every story has to be the male in the story, it's his second chance. And often I'll give them a bit more information. I might say it's got to be a male or a bride or the last one I did, the girl, the woman in the story had to be tracked somewhere. So she's on her way somewhere and she got caught up for whatever reason, whether it was a blizzard or a snowstorm or the stagecoach broke down or whatever. Everybody has to work to that exact same premise. But, of course, uh-huh. every story is going to be different. And okay. so when you run them, I I limit them to about 12 at the most because I, I, have, I did one map uh, in 2020 we had 29 because it was so popular. The authors just kept adding more and more books. And so we just kept going. And we made thousands upon thousands of dollars, each author. Wow. In that, that, Yeah. 
Look, I made over $8,000 on three books and that they're still selling. Amazing. And it's because of the premises, you know, the, the readers love them because they know everything that my maps and my maps are very popular. They know that in my maps, they're going to get a good book because I handpick my authors. Great. And everything is, I said this to someone the other day, I run my maps with military precision and I do. <laughs> Great. Yep. Fantastic. I tell the authors their premise, the dates their books have got to be up on pre-order. They have to have a blurb ready by a certain date. They've got to have a tagline. I tell them when we're going to have a, we do a, a reveal party. Prior to that, I make up promo images teasing the readers that this is what, you know, there's a little bit of a line there that this is what's going to come up and so many authors and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it's a lot of work. It really is a lot of work, but it's worth it. It's paying off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's one of the most unique things. We've been talking on the show today. I've been doing self-publishing for nearly 10 years myself, and that's the first time I've heard anything like this. Uh, that's yeah. what really? I wanted to bring up before. Yeah, yeah before we, um, we delve into the seven questions, just because I thought it was a really interesting concept. And everything you just said there, I think is really, really interesting. It's a, it's a very, it's a, also, it's a different way of doing what, you know, we're all doing it differently anyway, but I've not heard that one before. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to uh, your answers for this seven questions because I okay, think it'll well, be really interesting. Well, I didn't devise it. I was yeah. one of the last to devise it, I think. Um, <laughs> somebody did it probably about seven years ago and that, that series was called American Mail Order Brides. Mm. And it, there were 50 authors in it, so they had an author for every state. So it was a mail order bride one, and each author had a, they were allocated a state that their girl had to start off in. And that's still going strong all these years down the track. It's still going wow. strong. And those that map I mentioned before in 2020, the books from that are still selling all the time. And that became so popular at 29 books, I said, right, that's enough. We can't do any more because the readers <laughs> get sick of it after a while. And then that ended in the October in 2020. And I said to the, the authors, I'll do it again, but we'll give it another name. So we did the exact same premise, totally different <laughs> covers. And we did it in the January following. And... In three weeks, I've made $1,500 on my book in that. Nice. Beautiful. So, you know, they're real, they are good money spinners, but you've got to do them properly. Got to get them right, yeah. You know, none of the people who run them, and the authors can do whatever they want to do. And I recently took one over from somebody who got too sick, and luckily it was just before it started, and I just said, these are my rules. This is how I work. If you don't like it, get out. <laughs> you did. A few authors left. Because they didn't like the fact that I'm very strict. Yeah. But yeah, they're all I think it's, 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 it's a really good concept. It's one I think would fascinate um, our, our listeners. Um, I'm going to go into the seven questions now. I'm going to give you the first question, Cheryl, and that is, yep. are you a full-time author? Um, I would probably say yes. I write every morning. And then in the afternoon, I mostly do promotional images and promo on my reader group and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
But if I need to go off and do something, I do that too. So I don't sit yeah. at my computer the entire day. You know, I'll go yeah. off and those I'll go and do the washing and, you know, I've got four people in my <laughs> house. My, my husband and I have our son and grandson living with us. So um, I've got the upstairs office, as you can see, which is lovely. Um, <laughs> that's right. We did. We brought up three of our grandchildren. So um, that's when I, I started oh, writing, wow. copywriting. I started off copywriting and magazine writing. But fiction was always the thing I wanted to do. But, yeah, I basically work full time at it. Great. Well, Don, you're doing a great Amazing. job at it. Um, what well, one of the decisions we have to make uh, in in the current day of of independent authoring, uh, Cheryl, is whether we go wide or exclusive with our eBooks for Amazon. Question number two asks about that. What decision did you make there? Okay, I have been in Kindle Unlimited. I've been self publishing for six and a half years now, after being with three different publishers. Yeah. The first year I self published. It was all Kindle Unlimited, and I had somebody helping me because, I, as I said earlier, I'm not technical at all, which is a bit of a struggle for me sometimes. I have to learn things that I have to do, know how to do. Um, and I went strictly with Kindle Unlimited. I made more money in that first year than I made with my publishers in the last year I was with them. I yeah. now make more mm. in a month than I made in 13 years with three different publishers. And I, I, I did go wide for a little while. I went wide for 15 months, but I only did it with, I've got about 20 contemporary romances. And so I did that first to try it. And I did, I didn't take any of my historical series over, but I took about, I think about four or five standalone historicals. And in that year, I went direct with Kobo, but the rest of them I went with draft to digital only because it took me two days to get everything on Kobo and I just didn't have the time to do it with everybody else. I just, as I said, I'm not technical. Everything was just so slow for me. So I went 15 months wide and I earned $400 uh. in 15 months with 20-something books. So yeah. I've pulled them all back and my income with Kindle Unlimited is 87% of my income. So I lost some real oh, wow. big chunk Huge of money difference. going wide. Yeah. And I'm still really not sure what the reason was because I get my covers done professionally. I have a really good cover artist. Um, but somebody's told me now that maybe when you go wide, you need to change your covers, that wide readers have a different taste in covers. I don't know. But I'm back in Kindle Unlimited. I have been for about a year and a quarter. And at this stage, I've got no plans to go over again. The, the One of the things or one of the aspects that I, I think everybody needs to look at is, is your genre KU heavy? Mm -hmm. Mine is. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I know because I do a lot of polls with my readers and I ask them, how many of you are in Kindle Unlimited, how many of you are not? And every time I do it, I do it every year, and every time I do it, I, across something like four reader groups for historical romance, the answer I always get is around at least 57% are in Kindle Unlimited. Oh, 
So I, I think, think that's, that's the reason I do no good wide. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to know and understand about your readership. I actually asked a similar question yesterday in my um, Facebook group and uh, and just to test was of how many people are in KU. And yeah, surprising number of them. And it's a really good point you make about knowing um, where your genre sort of sits in the KU yeah. wide spectrum. Um, because obviously, if you're so KU heavy, trying to build up like you've you found yourself, you know, try and build up a readership across other platforms, it can be really, really tricky. Um, so it's a really good point. Um, question number three is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Book funnel. <sighs> yep. I do lots of promos on book funnel. I believe I'm getting a lot of my income from there. I mm -hmm. I'm very analytical and I'm very organized and I have spreadsheets for everything. So when I join a book funnel promo, it's put into my spreadsheet and I look through the month to see what books I have got in a book funnel promo. With the backlist the size I've got, I can put whatever books I want to put in there and I've concentrated on mm -hmm. a few of my series that do the best and the, the, the latest ones. So, you know, I've got a fairly new uh, series that I bought out in, um, I think it was about March or April. I'm just writing the last book in that one now, and that's the one I'm getting, giving the most publicity to at the moment. Great. But I go through that spreadsheet and I have a look and see what I've advertised already that month, and I try to avoid that and put something else down. Mm -hmm. So that when the sales start coming in, if I haven't done any promotion on that, I can then say, right, that's come from Book Funnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you I know. Use it for, so I use it for um, sales promotions. I occasionally do newsletter builders. I don't do them so much now. I used to, I got probably about 3,000 subscribers from them in about a year. But mm. I just, these days I'd rather get organic readers onto my yeah, newsletter. Yeah. Because I'm yeah, getting up true. into, you know, I'm already, I'm well and truly paying. I've got about 3,700 subscribers. So I'm not going to, I don't want to pay for people who don't want to be on me. Yeah, and in no. my newsletter, when they, they join the book funnel with the builders, um, I tell people if they don't want to be in the, on the newsletter and they just want the freebie book, just unsubscribe. You know, yeah. it doesn't worry me. Yeah. If they, yeah. That gives them a chance to read my books and, and get my style. Yeah. That's, no then care. they be, can become they a fan from there. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's work. It works. Yes. Yeah, it does work. But Book Funnel is a great answer to that question because it is one of the fundamental tools that we, we can use in an independent author. I wonder yeah. um, if it's also the same answer for, your, for the next question, uh, which is uh, question four How do you market your book, Cheryl? Well, Book Funnel is a big part of that, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. get their newsletter, but I also go in like, I go through each day when the newsletter comes in, and I compare that to my spreadsheet so I don't put too many promotions on. I send my newsletter weekly, and the reason I do that is because I polled my newsletter subscribers, and I asked them if they want me to send monthly, fortnightly, or weekly, and they said weekly. The majority mm. wanted weekly. So I put a maximum of two uh, book funnel promotions a week in my newsletter. 
and I just find that works. I used to do three or four and it was just too much. The ones that were at the bottom didn't ever get the clicks. But I've also changed and I put a little note and say, you know, this is a, a clean Christian romantic suspense promotion and two of my books are in this promotion. And then I give them big red letters. I give them the dates it runs because some of those promotions only go for a couple of weeks. But I also run my own promotions and I tell my readers, this is going to be a clean. I know it's going to be clean because I vet every book myself. So I run a promotion. Right. I used to do them every month, but now I probably only do them every two or three months. But I vet every single book when they come in. I read the details on BookFunnel. I go to Amazon. I look at the categories they're in. I look at the reviews because I'm, I'm a Christian writer and my mm-hmm. readers want Christian or at the very least clean and wholesome. And mm-hmm. nearly everybody who goes in, the authors who go in my promotions on BookFunnel know that my promotions are clean. They are not going to have steamy books sneak in mm-hmm. at the end, which a lot of them, that's what happens. Yeah, a lot, and I've pulled out a lot of them. I've pulled out because my readers get really upset with that. Yeah, well, absolutely. You need to. This will be go back to understanding your readership is so important. Yeah, that's right. So important. That's exactly right, and that's one of the things I've spent a lot of time with over the years. I I post in my my reader group, which I call a VIP group. I post in there. up to six times a day. And if I was in a reader group like that a few years ago, I probably would have left because it was so busy. But my yeah. the readers I've got in there are so engaged. And, I mean, I put photos up of my children, my grandchildren, my husband and I are about to become great-grandparents in a few weeks. Oh, wow. The first Congrats. And, um, you know, I put all of that sort of stuff. I put a photo of our granddaughter's baby shower with her showing her big belly and she's having twins by the way oh <laughs> twin wow boy. lovely <laughs> twin boy. yeah we've got a big family of twins oh, um so you know all that sort of stuff they connect with that and i put more personal stuff up than what i do books fascinating um, you now there's more, more yeah. and that's the way you engage with your readers and you you know that you know that yeah but that's yeah the best I, I think yes it's 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 a great answer to the marketing question because I don't think we've seen – we, we, we've done this 49 times mm. we've spoken to authors and asked these questions. And that, again, it goes back to it's the first time I've heard someone using BookFunnel to that extent that you are to essentially market and run their business. I think it's fascinating. And the points you make about understanding your audience and who's reading your books is something everyone should do. Um, yeah. And like you said, build that personal connection with them. Um, and the other thing about it, too, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, the other thing that I do with my readers are, is I know how old they are. Mm. And so it, it helps. Like TikTok's no good because mm-hmm. for my readers, they're 65 plus. I'm yeah. 67. I don't want to go on TikTok. Yeah. That's so right. You know, you need to know. My granddaughters do it. They yeah. love it. I don't. Yeah. And I don't like making the videos for it. I, I did try it. I did a small course and did try it. I hated it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, my readers won't like it. It's not for my readers right. either. Yeah. 
That's same. I agree. David's made that point before about knowing where, not, not just knowing who your readers are, but knowing where they are is really important. Um, but yeah. question number five is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? I wish I'd self-published from the get-go. Great. <laughs> nice. As I said, I've been with three publishers. Yeah. I, I also worked as an editor with two publishers. So I learned a lot of the the back end of publishing as well when I was there. Yeah. Um, I worked for one, re, uh, a, a medium size, I'll say a medium size romance publisher um, for two years. And I worked for a, a, a magazine and I was the romance editor for for the sec, that section of the magazine. And I learned a lot of stuff from doing that. Um, but... Um, if if I'd have self-published from the get-go, I think I'd be earning a lot more money now. Back yeah. then, self-publishing, it'll be 20 years next month that I've been published. Oh, wow. Great. 2003. Yeah. So nice. I've been around a long, long time, but the first 13 years were totally wasted. But self-publishing was just coming in when yeah. I first got published. And I published a lot of non-fiction books because, as I said earlier, I've written for magazines internationally and nationally, and I've did copywriting as well for a long time. So I've Great. I've actually got. I don't know if you want to hear about this, but I've actually got a lung disease and an immune deficiency, so I'm not no, allowed to go no. to work. They won't let me leave home, and go out to a job. So right. I went. I left work when I was forty six. So what's that? Twenty one years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um. And I've always been writing. Since I was a little kid, I was writing. I was writing for my local council magazine when I was still at high school. Right. Wow. I've yeah, been so writing newsletters for companies for years. So, you know, I had all it, of that experience. It's, yeah. But, it's, it's in you. You know, you just, everything you use, you, you just use all that stuff. I just wish I'd have gone into the fiction years and years mm. ago. I'd. As I said, I, I self-published some, um, I think about a dozen um, non-fiction books about writing and how to get into magazines and, you know, stuff oh, like lovely. that. How to write how to write for niche areas and, and sell books. So basically writing non-fiction books about whatever subject. So I did a lot of that. I love it. I did all that self-published. Mm. And I was I making it. a fortune on those off my own website. Of a, a website for writers, I had over eight thousand subscribers on that website. Oh, great! But it still still wasn't fiction, yeah. which was what I really wanted to do. Nice, yeah. We've um, we've been around that block as well, both Rob and I, Cheryl, of um, signing publishing deals. Um, a, 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 about a year to two of us sort of lasted and thought, hold on, what's what's going on here? We, mm. You know, we were getting like. 19p per book sale and stuff like this when it was down on, on Amazon Kindle but we, yeah we, we, we came to the realisation of self-publishing a little bit quicker than you after being through three publishing deals but of course it's not all rosy in self-publishing and, and question six asks about this is what's your biggest frustration with self-publishing? Oh that's a good question um, probably the, the thing I really want to do is level up 
Mm. I want to make a lot more money. I, I feel with the number of books that I've written that I should be getting a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. I'm making four figures every month, five a year. So, Great. you know, I just last year I bought myself a brand new car with my writing money. Lovely. So, nice. You know, I just feel like I should be able to do more. You know, I should yeah. be able to earn more than what yeah. I am. So I've I've been putting a few strategies in place. Um, I won't say too much about it at the moment, but hopefully sure. it's all going to come to fruition. But I don't do a lot of publicity. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nice. Fingers crossed. I don't do a lot of, of I don't do very much paid publicity. Right. Mostly yeah. what I do is all Facebook, um, Twitter. Since Elon Musk took over, I've been locked out of my account. Me so too, old musketeer. He obviously doesn't like me. Yeah, um, I only had about a thousand followers, so it's no huge big deal. Um, Instagram, right, another technical issue there. <laughs> so I'm, I do it every now and then, but I'm not real good at it. <laughs> Facebook is the best place for me. Oh, and I have advertised that. in magazine um, newsletters, in reader newsletters, Um they seem to have gone off, and there's very few Christian ones around, right, so that's right. a real problem. So the the there's a couple like one of them you probably know, Robin Reeds, but yeah. it's not Christian. And so what they do is they put all of the every category is one after the other, and at the top is Steamy. Oh, so to I find know. my books, they're right down yeah. the bottom. Yeah. That said, I earned a number one bestseller banner from an ad that went in Robin Reads. Oh, but great. But it's only happened once, yeah. And I look, I, as I said before, I'm I'm a bit analytical. So when I do an ad, I put all the stats in so I know what I've sold before the ad comes out. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of days, about three days after, because I give them that little bit of time for tail, I'll go through and I'll see how many how many I always advertise series. So I'll see how many books I've sold of the book I advertised, how many of the subsequent ones and any I've got on pre order, how many pre orders I got. So I can see whether it was worthwhile. Yeah. Yes. And I just found I did I think I did see the two or three ads I did with Robin Reeds. And the first one was fantastic. That was the one that got the number one banner. And that book was about two years old at that stage. Mm. Um but the others, I didn't even get my money back. But to me, that's not necessarily what I want anyway. It's yeah. picking up new readers. Yeah, my own new readers. Yeah, I, I think um, scaling up and like leveling up is is always a tricky thing because you kind of get to yeah. the next point, and then once you get comfortable at that point, it's like, how do I kick this forward? So it'd be interesting yep. to catch up with you uh, further down. Uh, the year or like uh, next year or something to see how some of those um, strategies uh, paid off for you. Um, but yeah. before we let like, you go, I've Cheryl. I've gone up a lot since a year ago. Okay, great. Yeah, great. Um, yeah I've, I've doubled we... from a year ago, so that's one step. Lovely. It's what you want to do, double every year. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening, um, what is question number seven is what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Okay. Um, practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. Lots of writing. 
I have probably got about 50 or 60 notebooks where when I was working, I used to go into town on the train. So I'm in Melbourne and I used to go into the city on the train and I would write Mm -hmm. all the way in. I'd write all the way home and I'd write at lunchtime every day and just wrote and wrote and wrote. And the more you write, the better you get. Even the books I wrote six years ago are nowhere near as good as the books I'm writing today. Yep. And don't give up. Never give up. No, absolutely. You're right there. Um, I, <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, I, I, I massive, massively agree with you. And like, I, even my um, like proofreader or my editor, um, they'll say, oh, your book's now. To, and one of them just read the book I released five years ago. And they said, uh, yeah, the, the books you're writing now are much better than the one um, you had then. So um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Cheryl. Thank you for giving up your uh, time in your evening. And uh yeah, wish you all the best. Thank you so much. See, our global reach, David, gets us guests from, you know, usually Ireland. Um, but <laughs> today, yeah, we've been joined by Cheryl all the way from Australia, which we massively appreciate, especially with the uh, time difference. But another fascinating yes. chat with another brilliant independent author. Yeah, really enjoyed it. I I enjoyed them every week. With just get it, it's it doesn't matter who's on the seven questions or how far they are along their journey uh, in their in the order career. It's just fascinating to to get these um, little tidbits and the and that's it's it's why we came up with the seven questions as they are because we just want these tidbits from uh, and how we know every author. We Rob and I we preach about this often. We we shouldn't be copying each other. And because authors aren't copying each other, we all take slightly different avenues to try and reach this goal. And um, that's why we get so many interesting and diverse answers. Yeah, and we would like more interesting and diverse answers. So um, head on over to either our Facebook group, uh, at the, which is pinned to the top of the page. There's a form to fill out, or you can also find it on our website, www.2indieauthors.co.uk. David, before I go to um, celebrate my one year of um, independence, shall we say, uh, what yeah. have you got on for the rest of the week, my friend? Um, I've, got, I've got a holiday to plan, which is exciting. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm heading off on the 7th of October, which is another couple of weeks away, but I've got a lot of itinerary to plan for that. Um, I'm also going to keep my fingers crossed that I continue the level of productivity I've been going through over the last four weeks. I think I will up until my holiday anyway. I have to have a first draft of the screenplay I'm writing uh, about Alec Ferguson. That's to be in with the producers on the 30th of September. So I don't oh, have wow. an awful lot of time on that. I mean, it's I have it all on the page at the, at the mm. moment. It's just reconfiguring and it's a little bit of a headache, but um, I'm looking forward to, to working on that. What about you over the next week? Um, I hopefully will be getting right near to the end of finishing the first draft of um, Jack Townsend 1, which I'm very excited about. And uh, this weekend, I am going up to see my dad, which would be very nice. Uh, he lives uh, he lives up in, in Suffolk, so um, I, will, I will be spending the weekend there. But um, I'll catch you next week, David. Dum 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 d
Bandung. Bandung.